The following audio is from First Hamilton Christian Reformed Church, where our vision is to be transformed by the gospel so that we can participate with God in his work of renewing all things in Christ. For more information about First Hamilton, visit www.firsthamilton.ca. Christmas is a season of light. We decorate things with light. We bring things that were, are normally ordinary and can get boring, like our houses, that we see every single day, and we decorate them with light and bring them to life. We gather together around light. Right? This is a picture of Nathan Phillips Square in Toronto where there's a skating rink underneath and, and people throughout the, the Christmas season come and they gather together and witness together the light. We gather around light. We also celebrate with light. This is the, uh, I think they call it the holiday train, goes through Gage Park in Hamilton every year and is a, a train that they decorate in lights as a way to celebrate the Christmas season. We're amazed at the wonder of light. This is a photo of Niagara Falls in Ontario that has what they call a festival of lights that runs throughout the Christmas season, and it's complete with fireworks even. And so this morning, as we talk about light, and you might have picked up on that throughout the readings in our service, that this is a a service that's themed around light, I'm going to talk about three things. First is the light of Christmas. Second is our need for Christmas. And the third thing is the grace of Christmas. The light of Christmas, our need for Christmas, and the grace of Christmas. So it should strike us and capture us that John uses the word light and the image of light in this passage. He says, Jesus is the light of the world. In Jesus was life, and that light, life was the light, right? There's lots of images to, to light. And throughout this season of Advent and Christmas here at First Hamilton, we've been talking about uh, different aspects of our Christian faith. We've been talking about, you know, the call to social justice that we see through the prophet John. We've been talking about uh, the contemplative prayer-filled life that we see exemplified in Mary, right? And throughout every Sunday in Advent, we've been looking at a different character in the Advent story and a different dimension, different aspect of the Christian faith. And today we're talking about the human dimension, right? Jesus became a human being. God became human. Jesus coming to us as a baby tells us that our our humanness is important to God, that, that our humanness matters to God. Now, in this passage in John, we don't necessarily pick up on some of the specific words that John is using to talk about Jesus in this passage because we don't have the same uh, Greek mindset that somebody reading this in the first century would. Uh, We hear the words, in the beginning was the word, and it doesn't strike us in the same way. But if we were uh, steeped in Greek language, we would know that, that the word that John is using for word is logos. Logos is deeper 
than just a word on a page. It's the way that the philosophers and the thinkers of their day would talk about the reason for getting up in the morning. Right? And the way that they would talk about the logos, the meaning, the truth, was that everyone was searching for it. And so when John comes on the scene, and he talks about the light of the world that was also the logos, the meaning, the purpose of all things, he is making an incredible claim. He is saying that Jesus is the person that we should order our life around. That, that, we, that he is the life source, that he is the energy, that, that he is the beauty in creation and in all things. Light is such a strong image here that when, when John connects it to the logos, the meaning, the purpose, he's saying to us, living a life without Jesus is like trying to drive in the middle of the night in the middle of nowhere with no headlights. You can't see where you're going. You can't, you can't protect yourself against taking a wrong turn, turn or running off the road. We need the light. The light of Christmas is that the light of the world was born as a baby. Fast forward a little, and through the story of Jesus' life, we see that he was a man who got extreme reactions from people. Okay? Jesus was somebody who uh, people reacted normally in one of two ways to. Either one was people dropped everything and reordered their life around him. Or we think of the disciples when Jesus called them to follow him. They literally dropped what they were doing and followed him. They gave up their jobs. They gave up their families, and they followed him. You know, think of uh, Peter uh, after Jesus has given them a hard teaching, right? And a lot of followers said, said you know, I can't, I can't do this. This is, this is too hard for me. And, P- and Jesus said to Peter, are you going to leave too? And Peter says, how could we? You have the words of eternal life. So the one way that people reacted to Jesus was they reordered their life around him, around the light. The other way was that they tried to kill him. Right, we, we read a story later on in the book of John that says that, that, that the religious leaders of the day were trying to push Jesus to make a claim about who he was and to, to get him in trouble for it. And, and what happens is Jesus responds to them by saying, before Abraham was, I am. And they picked up stones to kill him. Why? Because he's making a claim that he and God, the God of the Old Testament, Yahweh, are one. See, either people centered their life around him, or they tried to kill him. There's really no in-between. What we don't hear in the Gospels is people who say, you know, I I, I hear you, Jesus. I've walked alongside you. I think you're a great moral teacher. I think you're someone that that, uh, is a good person, but, but I can't center my life around you. That's not an option that they're given. Either Jesus changes everything about us or nothing at all. There's there's no in-between option. So that's the story that we're invited into today. It's a story, the astounding story, that God cares so deeply for our world and for us as human beings that he married himself to it. 
He committed himself to our flesh, and he came to us as a baby. This is good news for us because we need Christmas, don't we? One of the temptations that we have is to uh, look at Jesus and the claims that he makes and say to ourselves, well, we, we don't need him. We can, we can get by without him. We don't need to consider what a life following him looks like or how deeply he calls us to change and, and to give up our way of living for his way of living. And it, wh- how that calls us to sacrifice. We can figure this stuff out on our own, can't we? And this past Sunday, I brought up a quote by Bob Dylan, that was, who was part of the Live Aid concert in 1985. And, uh, and they, this was a concert that, was, that a lot of uh, important musicians came and played at, and they sang a song there that was meant to inspire change in the world, inspire people to sacrifice of themselves to make the world a better place. And they sang a song that had the lyrics, We are the world, we are the children, we are the future, so give. Meaning we can do it. We can make the world a better place if we give enough, if we sacrifice enough of ourselves, if we come together and, and make change together. And Bob Dylan was quite uncomfortable with this because, and I quote, man cannot save themselves. Man cannot save themselves. I was at a talk recently, and the speaker said that when high school students and young adults are asked the question, what type of world do you think you will inherit in the next 10 to 20 years? The answers are staggering. For the first time in modern history, the generation that's coming up doesn't believe that their quality of life will be better than the generation before them. The millennial generation and generation Z, there is an anxiety and a reality in them about our need for something outside of ourselves to do and to make change in our world. The story of Christmas gives us that. It it tells us a story of hope beyond ourselves, that God came and is with us in our humanity. Other people look to science for light. Bertrand Russell who's a philosopher who taught at the London School of Economics, uh, says that the story of science can't give us the meaning that we look for in it. He says this, Even more purposeless and more void of meaning is the world which science presents for our belief. He goes on to say that, that science gives no meaning beyond an accidental collision of atoms for the existence of, of humanity. He says that, that um, we have nothing to indicate that there is life beyond what this world has to offer, this material world. And so, so it, doesn't, it doesn't give us purpose. It, it, it doesn't uh, allow us to uh, work and grow and develop thought beyond this universe because it'll eventually get burned up. And so what Bertrand Russell comes to the conclusion of is that looking to science for the answers of meaning and purpose of life for light, for logos, will end up leading you to despair. Deep down, we know that we can't pull ourselves up by our bootstraps to solve the world's brokenness on our own. We can't find light or create light 
we need the God of light to come and to become a human being, to marry himself to our humanity. Christmas gives us this picture. It gives us a picture of a God who loves the world. Right? John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. A God who knows us so intimately that he knows what we need. We need someone to save us. The grace of Christmas is how Jesus comes. Think about this. We would think that if God came, that it would be a little bit like this. And I showed this picture on Sunday, and I love it. This is part of a uh, children's Christmas book that Tracy and I read for Austin. And uh, unfortunately, he's not as interested in the Christmas story as a pastor would hope that his son is. Sandra Boynton has a leg up on, on the Christmas story right now. But um, this, this picture really, uh, really puts into, into an image of what the glory of God may look like in an angel. You see the light, right? And we think that, that John describing the light of the world, that this would be how, how the God of light would come into the world, that it would be fantastic, that it would be amazing, that it would, would blow our mind. If we look at the Bible and the times that God reveals himself to us, you know, throughout the Advent story, the angels, it was every, every person who encounters an angel is scared to death because of the glory, because of the brightness, because of the beauty. If you think of the Old Testament, when people encounter God, they are fearful of their life. But the Christmas story is different. And this is the grace of Christmas. A pastor from New York City named Tim Keller talks about how Christmas is different. He says this, Jesus Christ came to us not as a pillar of fire, not as a tornado, not as a, a, a rolling thunder, but as a baby. As a humble baby. There is nothing like a baby. Even young children have their own agenda and want to run away from you. But a baby's different. A baby can be picked up. A baby can be cuddled. Can be swaddled. In fact, babies need this. A baby calms when they come into a person's arm. So why... Did God come this time as a baby? Because he came not to bring judgment, but to bear judgment. He came to pay the penalty for our sins, to break down the barrier between us and God. See, Jesus Christ came into the world as a baby because it was his mission. It's not because it made for a nice story. We just sang the Christmas carol. Right, mild he lay his glory by. Born so man no more may die. The Lord of the world, the, the word, the light, strapped on humanity, stepped onto the ice at, and plays for our team. The leaders of other religions would, would, would say, you know, look at me. Be like me. Pick yourself up. Try harder. Become like me. But Jesus is different. Jesus says, I have come to you. I come 
to bear the judgment you deserve. I come to pay the penalty for your sins. I come to break the barrier between you and God. This was his mission, and he did it. When he was on the cross, he descended into the darkness. The whole world became dark. The light of the world was killed in darkness. And deeper than that, in, in uh, one of the earliest creeds, the Apostles' Creed, it talks about how Jesus descended to hell even. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, took on our darkness. He descended even to hell for you so that we could be made right with God, so that we could have a relationship with God. It sounds simple, but this is the story of Christmas. And this is what life is about. Let the words of, of the famous Christmas carol, a little town of Bethlehem, sink deep into our hearts. It says, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, dear Christ enters in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Jesus who lay his glory by so that we no more may die. Give us your spirit that we may trust you more deeply, that we may trust you more securely and more hopefully than ever before. Help us to look to you to receive life, light. Lord, we look forward to you coming again and making things right together forever. In Jesus we pray. Amen.